This is Content Content, a bi-monthly podcast featuring the people behind the content. I'm Ed Marsh. Today's guest is Elisa Bonsignor, a consultant and a person who is shifting careers currently, I believe, um, who is based in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area in California. Um, if there's, I'm sure you've heard the news recently, depending on how soon I get this out about the forest fires. Um, so it's, you know, so at least the sky sounds like it's currently orange where she is, which is a little frightening. Um, so Lisa, let's check in with you. How, how is everything where you are? We are fine. We are currently not on fire, but you know, that can always change. So you just have to, you just have to be aware at all times. So you only have work fires to deal with? Yeah. For today, today. <laughs> So, you know, I, like, I, like I mentioned, I believe, you know, that you're in a career transition or changing careers. But why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Okay. Uh, tell us about what your, you know, your role in techcom and content strategy has been. I know that you've had some experience working with STC. So, you, uh, you know, you can tell us a little bit about your volunteer experience. Um, so, yeah, tell us about you and what you do. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I run a strategic communications consultancy, and my entire career has sort of been a weird mix of timing and luck and sort of just putting myself in good spots to accept new opportunities as they arise, honestly. Um, my first real job was writing and research for a trade magazine about the jewelry industry, of all things. Hmm. But ironically, I learned a lot of things about supply chain and mining, right? So that's something that was you know, business, supply chain, it's that type of thing. Huh. Um, okay. Then I moved into what would be described more probably as a content development role for healthcare companies when we were living in Jersey. Uh, we moved to the Bay Area in 99, right in the middle of the first dot-com bubble. So I ended up in tech doing content development taxonomy because even though I wanted to work in healthcare, you couldn't find a job that wasn't tech. It was just, you know, the oh, dot-com wow. had okay. taken over everything. So oh, wow. I knew nothing about taxonomy. I knew nothing about the tech world, but hey, I had a pulse and that was all that was really necessary at the time. <laughs> um, from there, I moved over to network security. I worked at McAfee. Um, it was originally mycio.com, but rolled into McAfee, which was part of Network Associates at the time, uh, doing content development, content strategy, training, project management, a, a little of everything. Um, also moved on to Juniper Networks from there. So, you know, I had, okay. had a little bit of time in, in, on the security side. And while I reported into a few different types of departments over the years, my skills always sort of fell into this weird middle ground between sort of techcom and marcom sides, right? Like, okay. Oh, okay. I'm, I understood enough of the technical to do the things that explained the geeky stuff in plain language, but I also that sort of once you once you're sort of doing that type of work that also sets the stage for building really good marketing messaging based on the technical needs of what people re require, right? So it's it's it sort of was a weird position to be in. Um, and then I ended up back in healthcare for a bit at a company that made ventilators and pulse oximeters, of all things, which are very oh, wow. relevant now. Uh, huh. <laughs> that was my last in-house job before uh, they closed our facility and I went independent in 2006. So okay. a lot of different stuff, right? And all of this has come together in weird ways as an independent. Network security and healthcare come together in healthcare IT. The supply chain understanding from that first job has played a huge role in things that I've done for a lot of clients. 
while I tell people that I'm a writer, that's the simple way to understand it, but I also have this extensive background in more content strategy and user experience types of things. And it seems sort of like I'm forever trying to remind clients that customers don't really care about their internal silos anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you're coming out of Marcom or TechCom, they just care about the information and getting it what they need, when and where they actually need it. <laughs> um, so it's, it's sort of a, a weird background. And when I'm inter interviewing with new clients for projects, they often make comments about how, oh, you had such foresight to take on these experiences. And I wish that I could say that I knew that this is where it would have all ended up. But I can assure you that 20 years ago, I had no idea that taking a network security job would dovetail with my healthcare background to become relevant to telehealth in the time of COVID. I mean, there's no planning for that. But I think that that's kind of really the trick. I took on roles that I found interesting. And it's really more my nature to just pull those things together in the weird and interesting ways. So that's kind of how I ended up here, right? Um, <laughs> and that's what I've been doing since 2006-ish on my own, um, you know, working just for, you know, healthcare technology companies, a, a little bit of everybody. I mean, whoever will pay me, honestly. Um, <laughs> but that's the, that's the sort of background that I have. But over the last five years or so, um, I work with a lot of European companies and something that's come more to the forefront is sustainability for them. They're way ahead of us on that element of things, um, both in terms of companies being more sustainable and handling their own reporting and their marketing about, you know, their, their personal sustainability because, you know, the investors in Europe are really looking for that. They're looking for that as a metric across, you know, to compare company A versus company B but also to help their customers meet their sustainability goals and to understand how the supply chain plays into the sustainability of any organization. So you see how these things are starting to come together. And there's a oh lot God. of things that are, you know, just all of these things in my Venn diagram are now coming into <laughs> this one, one central point of like, oh, I found where it all intersects. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's so funny because before before we started, you know, before we were emailing back and forth, you said, you know, most of my story is really about falling into things. Right. And I'm glad you brought all that up because <laughs> and it's so it's so cool how it all came together. And I think, you know, as long as I've been doing this podcast and it's been five years now, there's not been one person who has had the exact same experience. And a lot of people have kind of fallen into techcom and in the ways that you have. And I fell into techcom kind of as a journal. I was a journalism major right. and they, I went for a temp job and they said, hey, you'd be good for this tech writing position. Yep. I said, what the hell is that? Yep. Um, and it paid a lot more than being a reporter. So, <laughs> Everything um, does. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, you know, so thankfully I fell into this career and, um, you know, as we see with reporters now in the media that uh, I probably made the right choice with having a sustainable career. Exactly. And that's the same thing with me. I was I, I was an English and political science major in college and I thought I was going to do journalism. That was, oh, okay. that was what I knew. Right. Um, right. I didn't know that technical. you don't go to school knowing that technical communication was a thing back then. <laughs> um, that was nobody explained these things. Um so yeah, that's that's where I began. That's how I fell into the you know the jewelry trade magazine. It, it's just you you find it's weird ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you know, I I also taught marching band on the side too, so I'm sure 
you know, it's it showed me a lot of things that I didn't want to do, even though it was one of the most rewarding things. And I'm still friends with a lot of the kids. Well, so cool that you were involved in healthcare. Um, you know that I, I, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. I had, you know, so I was, you know, so at one point I'm like, gee, maybe I'll work in medical writing. And uh-huh. I talked to a doctor. He's like, yeah, no, you, you can't just do that. <laughs> it's like, so how did so how did you fall into into healthcare? That was that's an interesting one. Well, so back when I fell into that, I, I've always had an interest in healthcare related things. And one of my internships early on was at um, the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia oh, wow. uh, okay. in the PR marketing media department. Um, so I, I, I sort of had a loose background and sort of a nerdy interest in health related things. But at mm. the time we were living in central New Jersey. So if you went through um, any of the agencies that were based in central New Jersey, it was all J&J and right. you know, all those companies that are based in there. So healthcare was a huge part of that. Um, also, my husband works for a healthcare company. So there were people uh. who, who, you know, we were like, Hey, can you just review this? You know, I need something you know, oh, a little nice. on the side. Right. Um, so engineer, yeah, comes back to engineers needing help with writing. <laughs> During your time, you've also been involved with SDC. I believe you ran for director a couple of times. Yeah. Um, how did, how did that happen? And, you know, tell us, you know, since you, I'm, I have a feeling you fell into that too. Yes, actually. Um, <laughs> how did, how did it all affected your career? Yeah. So as, as it happens, I mean, I fell into it and it's, it was mostly about, uh, people realize that because I, I have my own business, I had a lot of the skill sets that they were looking for, for the board, right? I knew okay. how to follow a budget. I knew how to plan. I knew strategy, uh, which is a little bit different than your standard tech comm person, just in terms of what they're exposed to. I mean, not everyone in tech comm, the, the role itself is not natively associated with long-term strategic planning for the business, right? Mm. So people who have strategic experience, like that kind of big picture strategic experience, aren't typically your standard tech comm people, in, mm. in my experience. Because there's more, it's more of an individual contributor role. It's more of a response to things, but they're not the ones that are driving, you know, okay. product launches and planning and, th- and that type of stuff. It's just not that nature of the business. Um, mm. So I, I, th- I think they were looking more towards um, the fact that I was doing a lot of different types of stuff. I had to manage my own business. I had to manage long-term projects for clients. There was a lot more strategic thinking there. Um, At least that's how it was explained to me. Whether or not that's true or not, but that that was the spiel (laughs) that I was given when they were were trying to recruit me. So um, yeah, so I did serve two terms. Uh, In June, I ended my second term as director and it was a really great opportunity, but it it can be really all-consuming. Uh, when you're in, you're really in it. And people ask, well, how much time does the role take? And it's not really about the actual work of director because there's only so much that you do in terms of, you know, okay, there's meetings and, and committee meetings and things like that. But it becomes very easy to consume your mental cycles at mm. all hours of the day and night, or at least it did with me. Um, so I can't tell you how much time I spent researching other organizations or ways to generate non-dues revenue because membership rates are declining across the board, not just at STC, but across all mm-hmm. membership organizations. Hmm. Um, so 
it's really easy to get into a spiral where all of your time and your money goes into the society because that feels like it's the right thing to do. Right. And it doesn't mean it's not interesting work. It's very interesting work, but it's easy to get sucked into then the requests of a handful of vocal members and people start to drive you in certain directions. And it's like, sometimes I had to take a step back and remember that you know, as the board, our first responsibility is to the success of the organization. It has nothing to do literally with the members. It's the hmm. fiscal and long-term success of the organization. Hmm. And that requires a very different approach than, you know, well, why are you charging us to attend a banquet? Or why are you not doing XYZ? Well, because hmm. the money isn't there. And I mean, that's just the plain and simple. <laughs> I, I say to everybody who came up to me with an idea, you know, and they'd say, oh, I've got this brilliant idea and I want to do. And I'm like, okay, I need you to come to me with a plan that involves where you're going to get the money mm. and where you're going to get the human capital or who are the resources that are going to do this. And, you know, put together a plan for me that shows me how this can be done. And then we can work that into the next budgeting cycle of, you know, and they go, well, but why aren't you just doing this? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, it doesn't really work that way. You know, people, well, by the time you come to summit in, in May or June or whenever we have summit each year, we're already six months into the budget cycle. Like the budget has oh, been, wow. the budget is an annual budget. So we're in the middle of the year. There's not a lot of wiggle room to do something okay. different in the middle of the year. But it's something that we can put into the we can put into discussions when it's for next year. But people want to see everything executed immediately, and then they're you know they're in your ear. Right? And I get that; I completely understand. But I, I tried to point out to people that you know we don't have in-house staff to do things for it. We don't have a lot of disposable income to do things. You know? <laughs> so so if you want to come to me with an idea, you really have to come with a plan for how it's going to work. And who's going to do it? And that seemed to frustrate a lot of people because, you know, they just wanted it done. And it's not that easy. And I mean, I'd love to have it done too. But it's really easy to get caught up in that tactical stuff because there's so much tactical stuff. Right. And then it's yeah. easy to lose perspective. And, you know, as my, mm. my friend Melissa Brecker says, you know, you can't read oh, the Melissa. label when you're inside the bottle. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was sort of why I had to take the step back. You know, people said, well, are you going to run for vice president? And I said, you know, I don't think seven years is a good thing for me. I think that four years was really oh. enough because I'm too deep inside the bottle and I you know, I need a little bit of distance now. I need to go back to the committee level and, and, and take a breather from that. You know, that can't be, you can't, you can't be inside the bottle forever. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I guess that's why there's term limits on a lot of things, but yeah, that's interesting. That's funny. I met um, Melissa Brecker a few years ago at summit. Then we became fast friends, She's which awesome. is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because you and I were at the same summit. I've only been to one summit. I was supposed to go to, actually, I did go to summit this year, um, <laughs> except I was, was here at home. Right, exactly. That didn't count. Instead of in Washington State. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but um, it's interesting because at that summit, I saw you and I heard you were an introvert. And at the time, I thought I was not an introvert. And I'm like, oh, I should go to introduce myself, but she's an introvert. So maybe she doesn't want to be approached. So <laughs> it was finally, finally. This year through email, I'm like, you know, I really love to have you on my podcast and I've had you on my list for a long time, Alisa. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and it was finally like, oh, and then also this year or in last year, I've realized that 
I'm actually an introvert too. Um, I did, you know, I'm like, wow. I always thought that I was this outgoing guy and like, I love being around people. I'm like, no, actually I don't, I don't have which. So for me, you know, this kind of the, the, the lockdown is not even a great thing for me because I've been socializing via zoom and then I go and turn everyone off and it's great. But, you know, I think, you know, for me, it was a realization at age 49 and hey you know what i'm actually introvert i'm not exactly who i thought i was so how did you i guess my question is how did you know you know or did you know all along you were an introvert or was it something that you could together another realization that hey you know this is a thing that i am and i guess how has that affected your career or how have you dealt with that in your career so i don't know that it's i don't know that i think i always knew it but i don't think i knew there was a word for it um, okay. At, okay. at the time. I mean, I had, my mother was the most extroverted, you know, it, whatever, whatever, whatever the Myers-Briggs are, she's the opposite corner from me. <laughs> right. Um, and she was just one of those people who, who she could start a conversation with anybody from the lady in the line at the grocery store to someone in the stands at the high school basketball game. She just, she knew everybody. And okay. I would be happy to sit wherever and read a book. And that was perfectly fine with me. And people would say, oh, but you're so quiet. And it's like, well, I mean, am I really that quiet? Or did I just not, was I not able to get a word in edgewise for all those years? (laughs) (laughs) And it was a running joke with the two of us because it was, we were just so different. Um, But I I mean, I think rather than realize, you know, looking at the introversion thing as a thing that means I can't do things. Okay. um, I think it's more that I just, I've always been aware that the things that I do, I need to recharge after. So if I have a, 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 a talk scheduled at a conference, I don't want to schedule that, you know, like, I, I hope against all hope that they don't give me the time slot that's before something else where I need to be on. Because I need that uh, downtime. Yeah. So whether ah. that's just sort of zoning out in somebody else's talk or, you know, quiet time back in the room, but I just need some downtime to recuperate. And it's funny because uh, one of my friends from Medical Writers Association was like, you're not as introverted as you think you are. And I'm like, no, actually I am. And so <laughs> we, we were in, gosh, I think this was Den- the year we were in Denver. Uh, for AMWA. And I had the last session of the conference. And then after that was this, like their closing luncheon thing. And he says, you know, he, he was in my talk and he says, I'm going to go get us a seat. You know, I'll save you, a, I'll save you a seat while you finish talking with people. And I was like, great. And I came in and I sat down at the lunch and I almost fell asleep in my mashed potatoes. And he was like, huh. What is wrong with you? <laughs> like this is what happens. I am just shut down. I did my spiel for an hour. I was on. I did my Q and A. I I rocked it, and now I just need to just completely power down. And he's like, "What? <laughs> I had no idea." <laughs> but that's that's kind of how I am. I I I still do the things. I just know how to accommodate for the 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 crash after. Oh, that's interesting. It's so funny because when I had Jack Molasani on the podcast a few years ago, he's like, you're an introvert. I'm like, God, no, I'm not. But like now at every Lavacon, for some reason, he decides to 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 make me part of the extracurricular activities. Right. So two years ago or three years ago, whatever it was, I was um, in the drag queen dance mm-hmm. um, competition. Right. And then last year in Portland, he made me go up and do like the 
what is it? The PowerPoints from Doom, and I had no idea what it was. And he said it was going to be a minute. It was like five minutes, and I'm like, first of all, what the hell are you doing this to me for? <laughs> but afterwards, I'm like, I just had to like go and get another beer right. and unwind and be like, oh my god, I just you know that recharge thing. I think is what I I never realized is what I needed. And I was always like, eh, I don't know if I'd believe this extrovert introvert thing. But you know, as 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 we get older and wiser, I guess it's it's interesting to realize. Who, who you are uh, and, and how you come across to other people. So, but it's interesting too, because I believe that you were also on uh, our friend Ben Welk's um, a podcast. Yes. That's um, hope for the introvert. Yes. So could you talk a little bit about that experience? Oh gosh, that was a couple of years ago now, I think, or maybe it wasn't, maybe it was six months ago. I don't know. Like time means <laughs> who knows? nothing. It's 2020. Yeah. Right. It's 2020. Who knows? No, but I was actually one of the early people on his podcast. So it's, it has been a while. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Ben and I have talked a lot about introversion and I've done a few talks through STC and, and AMWA and, um, I think I might have even, that might have been the one I even did at ISTC in the UK. Um, but oh, wow. about, you know, just about introversion and, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur and, you know, how do, how do these things play together? Or, you know, how you can harness those things that, that make you you. <laughs> um, you know, because I, I don't see any of it as, as a drawback necessarily. It's just a matter mm. of, you, you know, you've got you've to be true to who you are and know who you are and just know the best ways that work for you. And I mean, that doesn't mean that everybody needs to get up on a stage somewhere. That's, you know, I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, but that you can there's there's nothing stopping you because there's plenty of introverts that are also on the stage it's just yeah. a matter of what what you're what you're willing to take on and how you you know i don't want to say protect yourself exactly because that sounds mm. more like a you know but but pad your schedule around it yeah. to get the time and the the recuperation that you need because i mean there's a little bit of powering up and a lot of powering down that needs to happen yeah. after the fact I think in 2020, we call that self-care. Right, right. Well, you know, it was <laughs> back when I was going on two stages in the past, you know, it was just, it was just yeah, the, th the thing that I needed. I, I need that. I need a little bit of time on either end to, to just yeah. sort of take care of that. I hear you. So what point did you start presenting and going on stage? Well, you I said mean, you were, you said, I know you presented at Summit. I believe you presented yeah, at Lavacon. I mean, have you, I, with AMWA, which is the American Medical Writers Association, yes, I believe. Yes. Okay. So it's probably been about 10 years that I've been doing presentations like okay. that. But I mean, even before that, within work, I did, you know, sales training and, and partner uh -huh. training at, at, uh, at client sites and things like that. So I've always sort of been on the front lines of things. I mean, even going back to that, you know, the time that I was at the, the children's hospital in Philadelphia, it was media relations. It was about, you know, sometimes mm. you had to be the one that was on camera. Some you had to be on call in case you were needed on camera. <laughs> those, oh, wow. those type of things. So, um, you know, it's, it's always been part of the things that I've done in varying degrees. Um, but in terms of stage presentations, it's probably been about 10 years. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think how long it's been for. It might be five or six years for me. Um, so yeah, I just you know it's one of those things where well, just like the podcast was like okay, I want to get myself out there. Also, I want to give back to the community. Right. Um, and you know it it's kind of worked. So <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was I going to ask you? Um, I think well, actually what I want to talk to you about next, and it seems like something that you've picked up fairly recently, is that you've pivoted to, to coaching. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm curious to hear about you know how you fell into that one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, and I believe you're doing with some of our friends, Andrea Ames, and mm-hmm. I think you're doing it with Melissa Brecker oh, yeah. as well. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. And I mean, coaching during a pandemic has got to be an interesting place to be. Right. So that was kind of where I was when when Andrea emailed me and said, you know, so how, how would you like to be one of my coaches? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> because I, and she had another one who's changed her career into being right and i was really surprised because this wasn't something that i'd really done before and i wasn't okay sure i wasn't sure exactly what it would entail or if i'd be any good at it it's it's just it, i mean not that it doesn't have structure but it has less structure than a presentation obviously but mm. you know more structure than just a conversation so what are we actually doing here? What do I need to be good at? Um, but, you know, it's also, I mean, I've got sort of a policy of where I'll give any of those out there ideas a try. You know, like last year I did some voiceover work for helping out a friend, which turned out to be fun, though I don't think Pixar is going to be calling me anytime soon. <laughs> but this year's thing apparently is coaching. And as it turns out, it's not really some wild and wacky idea. It's kind of right in my wheelhouse, right along with the speaking and the professional development stuff. Um, so I've been having some fun with it. My weekly co-host is Melissa Brecker, who we've already talked about. And, you know, she's pretty well known in the content strategy universe. And then one of my animal colleagues, Larry Lynham, joins us most weeks. And it's informal. We have a topic, but we spend 30 minutes discussing whatever the the topic might be. So, you know, things like accountability partnerships. Melissa and I will bat ideas back and forth, you know, during during our regular lives, right? Um, huh. And we hold each other accountable for like, okay, it's time to get this thing done. You've been talking about it long enough. Um, but then there's things like uh, remote meeting management and how to facilitate a good meeting or how to maintain a growth mindset when everything like this right now as I'm waving my hands and gesturing, uh, <laughs> all of this, um, you know, it's hard to feel like you're growing in the midst of this, right? Um, <laughs> so how do you maintain that opportunity, those opportunities for growth and and not stagnate in the midst of this? And then uh, one week it just happened that Melissa was, was like, I think it was a Canadian holiday or something and she wasn't there. So, so Larry and I uh, joined and he's a, he's a microbiologist, immunologist by training. And he just had oh, to wow. fly across the country uh, from his one house to his other house to lock up for Florida for hurricane season. And so we Jeez. talked about his cross country flight and tips to stay healthy and what are, you know, what you need to be concerned with as, you know, from a, from a microbiology standpoint in with, you know, travel in the time of COVID. And so it's been sort of an array of things just, you know, huh. And it, you know, it, it's open to anyone who wants to come and it's, it's on Facebook live every Monday at 7 PM Eastern. And, um, okay. it's on, you know, it's through, um, the, uh, Andrea set up a content coach advising group and it just like automatically posts there, but you can post questions and, you know, ask us things throughout. I can't, I can't have you on live, but you know, I can have, so I can mm. see, I can see the questions. And, um, so if anybody has any you know, questions as we go, you know, you're, you can sort of be part of the, be part of the conversation. <laughs> so how is that? I mean, that's so 
interesting. And I know, you know, in my feed, I've got stuff about you and Andrea and Melissa doing it all the time. But what's it like doing that on like something like Facebook Live? Like we're doing this through, through you know, through a tool called Zencaster, which yeah. is recording both of us. So we're basically having essentially a phone conversation. Mm -hmm. But add that that live aspect to it and the video aspect to yeah. that. I'm curious, you know, especially as us as content creators, what is that like? And how is, you know, how have you had to adapt to that situation? The video is not as weird as I thought it would be. But then again, mm. I guess because there's so much of our lives that's video right now that it's, <laughs> you know, it's not. I mean, all of our lives are video right, now? Right, basically. But I think it would have felt weirder a year ago than it does okay. now because now uh. everything's Zoom, right? Everything's a video meeting. So you already have that sense of, okay, you know, now I've got the office arranged for the best lighting and I've got the, you know, the, oh, wow. the stand for it. So, you know, my, I'm, I'm in my best appearance and, you know, I, you know and you're, you're sort of aware of what your weird quirks and mannerisms are now because you've seen yourself on video for six months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So, you know, and, and because we're so comfortable with each other, because, you know, the, mm. Melissa and I, you know, have gotten very comfortable and, and, and Larry, I've known for a decade or more. And you know, it's just a very low key conversational type of thing. And, you know, we know what the topic is. We already have some ideas, but it's just a little bit of a how, you know, how do we play off each other? And it's easier when we have this bit of an established dynamic, I guess would probably be harder if some stranger came in. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It wasn't like, it wouldn't be like you and I just went on video and did this live. Right. It would not be probably nearly as comfortable <laughs> as it is when you're talking to someone that you've known for 10 true, years and, true. You know, and your friends. True. Um, this also needs, to, you know, this also reminds me that um, we need, I need to have Melissa on the podcast. And Melissa, if you're listening, uh, we need to have you on. I'll be sure um, to mention it to her. <laughs> nice. Um, she's been on my list for a while too. So I'm getting to them. I'm um, actually the nice thing about being in, in quarantine and lockdown this year is I've gotten, I think a lot more podcasts done right. than I have in prior years. So, yeah. so that's been a really great thing. Um, like coaching, like an Andrea Ames said, she's going to coaching. I'm like, you know, what does that mean exactly? And, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's interesting that it was, you know, of course that it fell into your wheelhouse because you've been everywhere and done everything, uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how that you know, is like, Oh, okay. Like you tried something and it's stuck and you're like, Hey, you know what? This was actually works. Even though I didn't know what the hell I was getting myself into, right. which kind of sounds like creating a podcast. Well, and that's, <laughs> you know, the, the beauty of it being Andrea and knowing Andrea well enough is that she mm. was like, start just a couple weeks. You know, let's do it for a month because who, I mean, when we started, who knew how long all this was going to go on for, right? Right. So let's do it for a month and see what happens. And we did it for a month and it was like, okay, so the month is up. What do you think? You want to do it for another month? And yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. <laughs> so that's kind of how it's gone. And now it's just a regular part of my week. Interesting. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, I guess, I guess being, well, you were, I, I assume you work primarily from home anyhow yes. before all this happened. Yes. Okay. So, but, you know, so but that setting was... up for Mondays at seven wasn't a, wasn't a big deal for you. No, no, no. It's not just... like you're coming home from work and you've got to get on the camera right away. No, that's not, that's not weird for me. But you know, what is weird is having everybody home with me. <laughs> okay. 
fair enough. Now, okay, I, I have to ask. I, my, my wife and I are—we have space enough to be separate during the days and have our jobs remotely, thankfully. But right. you know, working in a pandemic, I know you have a son, yep. uh, or uh, so. You know, what's it? You know, what's it been like for you on the opposite coast during all this with, uh, you know, with with three people in your house as opposed to just two? So my husband mostly is in the office again. They want him in the okay. office all the time, which is weird because even though he's in the office, they don't actually meet. They sit in their own little offices and zoom each other. So I don't know why he has to be in the office, but whatever, not my call to make. Um, (laughs) But my son just started high school virtually, um, which is fine, actually. I mean, he he does pretty well with the remote thing. I I think, I mean, he's also an introvert, but I think- Okay, that was my next question. Yeah, yeah. He's he's fine with not being in school. And I, you know, I sort of knock wood as I say that, but- um, he does really well with the, he's, he's very self-driven. He's very much, you know, schedule oriented. I'm not worried about him not getting work done or whatever. He, he does his stuff and he's the kind of kid who just sits down and does everything until it's done. And then he goes and does his other things. But what, wow. what has been really good about all of this is that he's had enough time in his day that he's able to do other things. He's okay. taught himself 3D design and animation through YouTube. Oh, wow. And he is, you know, he's really kind of exploring things that he wouldn't have either the time or the mental bandwidth for after a full mm. day of school and homework. And, you know, I mean, by that point, you know, it's it's nighttime and who wants to do anything at night? You know? So right. but he's had he's had much more flexibility and he's he's really doing well with it. And you know, people say, good, well, good. school is not the same as it as it was. Well, no, but everybody's in the same boat. It's not like this is some sort of regional thing where only in <laughs> California, because of the wildfires, we're having, you know, these children will fall behind. Everyone in his grade is in the same boat. Right. So whether or not he's falling behind, falling behind what? You know, the academic standards are arbitrary. We make them up. <laughs> The standards for 2020 are not the same standards that existed in 2000, which are not the same standards that existed in 1980. So we can make them up again. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not really stressed about this. <laughs> well, some of the Facebook communities that I'm on for my my, my city or, you know, people are, you know, it's obviously a, a constant part of conversation, but I don't know about it because I don't experience it. But I know my best friend is a is a middle school music teacher mm-hmm. and his school is actually in person. So mm-hmm. actually for him, for him, it's fantastic because, you know, when you're in lockdown, the kids didn't make it a priority, right. uh, you know, music a priority and, you know, they wouldn't show up or whatever. And they hadn't practiced. So for him, you know, being in, in the school is the best thing. But I'm just afraid that, you know, I, you know, like so many things two or three days after everyone's back at school to be like, Hey, we have coronavirus and we're going to go back to all remote. So. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, especially with something like music, you say, well, the kids aren't practicing. Well, where do you find a quiet place to practice in a house where everybody's on video calls all day long? Mm. Right. So, I mean, there's a courtesy factor with all of this too. We've, we've had to restructure because, you know, now at times we have three people on. So where do you have three places behind doors? I've, built a little, what I call the Zoom annex in my bedroom where I've pushed, <laughs> I've literally pushed the dressers around and built like a little like thing behind the dressers where you can just go and have like a, a place to Zoom where you're not looking at the bed or you're not mm. looking at the, your dirty clothes or whatever. It's just a little, a little 
basic box where you can have a call. And, you know, then, you know, of course there's the office, but then, you know, sometimes everybody needs the office at the same time. So somebody, sorry, uh, too bad. You're going to be in the living room, you know? (laughs) So it's, Uh, it's all an adventure. Well, it sounds like you, you and your son both have that growth mindset during, and I have my, I have, uh, my note is growth, growth mindset during this, yes. and this is in all capitals. The great thing about this is I don't have an hour to an hour and a half commute each right. way every day. Right. And, you know, and then when my wife does the same thing, you know, so we don't get home at the same time. So I think it's just a, having that consistency of knowing that my office is in my, in my, in the next room and right. not having to commute and plan around all that or delays and everything. Like you said, have a have a growth mindset during this is is not easy, especially, you know, when you don't know where your career is going to be in six months or you're going if you're going to be furloughed in six months. It's right. really it's really it's, you know, on top of everything else, it's it's crazy to see and be a part of this as someone with a job and wondering what's going to happen and, you know, at, at year end. Right. And this is something that I've, I was talking with a colleague about the other day. You know, I, I've been talking more about getting into sustainability work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now would be the ideal time to do more pivoting, more of my marketing push in that direction. Right. But at the same time, it feels so weird and self-absorbed to think about the future in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I have trouble reconciling this, right? Because it's hard to be saying, you know, well, we should be thinking about these things and we should be moving ahead and we should be doing when people are like, I'm just trying to stay afloat. Right? And right. I realize what a stupidly privileged position this puts me in that I can even think about these sorts of things. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's complicated. It's really a complicated time to be doing anything because, you know, just, just the fact that there is that opportunity there or could be that opportunity there feels so weird when I'm looking Mm. at people who are losing their jobs or losing their healthcare or, I mean, that's the American problem, right? The job goes with the healthcare and, you know, (sighs) everything falls apart and, you know, you've got, you've got sick friends or sick family members or chronically ill people. And it's like, wow. And, and here I am thinking about like, well, should I change my marketing focus? Like that just seems so <laughs> shitty. <laughs> I don't want to be that person, but you know, at the same time, you know, if not now, when? So. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And it's interesting because you've, you know, you talked about sustainability and how you're planning for sustainability for companies and how that's a feature for them. But it's also interesting as I looked at your blog a little bit before uh, before the show, and you're talking about sustainability, not only in terms of physical sustainability and how we can have, you know, uh, uh, you know, re- re- you know, sustainable industries, but right. you're talking also about sustainable careers. Right. And and that's I think a large part of it. I mean, you, part of, part of your part of your career is obviously the company that you're with too. You know, you're the more resilient mm. your company is, the more stable your job is. Therefore, the better your career is, right? Mm. Um, but also just that that kind of preparation and positioning and trying to look ahead at what's next. And that's really hard to do right now mm. um, because who's to say what's next? Nobody, nobody knows where they are to say, well, I'd like to work for X company, you know, or whatever. 
who's who's to say they could be laying everybody off in the, in a month? Who, <laughs> yeah, you know, right, like, right. it's not it's not like it's not the old days, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't just walk in and with Moxie and and ask the manager for a job anymore. It doesn't right. work that way. And and that's that's kind of the awkward position. You know, how do you how do you build those connections? How do you um, open those doors when you know that people are struggling? And the person that you're talking to may be just worried that they're going to make it to the next paycheck. And you're like, hey, I've got a contract for you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But but at the same time, I think that sustainability is really a big thing going forward. And I, I feel like this may be the only growth area for content right now. Because as people are going to be scaling back on product launches, they're going to be scaling back on staff, you know, they're going to be scaling back on everything. What are they going to need more of? And I think that, that the sustainability and the resilience aspects of business are going to be a really big deal. Um, So the fact that I have a little bit of this under my belt already is a, is a good thing, I think. <laughs> Fingers crossed. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, for for the next thing you fall into, you'll you'll be prepared. Exactly, exactly. But that's, <laughs> which, which that's what's making it very interesting. Is you know, I, I again, I fell into this because because one of my clients got transferred into the sustainability role, okay, sustain, sustainability communications role in in Europe, and I was like, oh wait, that's that's a thing. Like that's a role. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, I've kind of explored, I mean, I've done some work with different companies in it, but, you know, also sort of taking it to the next level, I got a certificate in sustainability leadership from Arizona State. Um, oh, wow. They, they, they were, the, they were the, the first or one of the first sustainability programs in the country, and they're really like, you know, cutting edge stuff going on there. Um, but, you know... I should I should probably actually backtrack a little bit. So so when we talk about sustainability, a lot of people think of it just in terms of climate change, mm-hmm. which I mean, you know, hey, I'm in California, I'm looking out the window at it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really broader than that. It's fundamentally about creating a world where we can meet our own needs without compromising the ability of future generations to do the same. Nice. (laughs) Which seems pretty straightforward and obvious, except that's just not how we operate as a capitalist society because, you know, we draw resources and we don't replenish. I mean, we, we, Mm. (laughs) we, we draw down things, right. We, we use things. Um, Right. So I, I feel like the whole COVID situation in particular is shining a light on how everything is really interconnected. You know, we think of our health as a very isolating thing, you know, but then the respiratory conditions like COVID are worsened if you have other health health conditions. Right. And then many of those conditions are the worst in low-income communities or, or communities of color. And then we think of social justice as a thing unto itself, but those are the communities that are disproportionately affected by the climate change, by the heat, by the flooding, by droughts, by famine, right? So what I'm really interested in is that this whole thing is so complex. And it's, again, like one of those Venn diagrams, right? Like, how do these complex adaptive systems interconnect and interact? And how can we do things better? And it kind of draws together a whole bunch of different things that I've done in my career in education over the years. And all of a sudden it's all, you know, coming to a head with this. And, and, and it's very interesting for me. 
And, uh, you know, you've also said that you're working in an, or on environmental studies. So it's interesting. I mean, you seem to have this theme of sustainability in your career or your life right now. Is that, did I have that correct, that you're still working on something in environmental studies? Well, it's it's more, it's again, I did the certificate, but I've done, I've done some environmental okay. classes and things like that. But it's, it's mostly um, on, you know, in the broader sense of you know, the, the broader sustainability thing. Um, I don't, you probably, most people, most adults are not familiar with uh, the UN has, I'm going really off tangent here, but um, the UN about five years ago developed what they call the sustainable development goals. And there are 17 of them, which is like a ton, but basically these are all the things that go, come together to make the world a livable place, right? It's, okay. it's no poverty, it's no hunger, it's access to education, it's access to, to gender equality. Uh, it's also, you know, taking care of the oceans and taking care of the land and things like that. But it's this whole big picture type of thing. And that's really what I find the most interesting is this, the fact that you can't look at any of these things in isolation. You know, you can't study, you can't study mm. the climate without understanding the, you know, the health and you can't understand the health without understanding the social justice and you can't understand social justice without understanding the environment. It's like, it just all comes together <laughs> in these really interesting ways. And it, the, the nature of the way we operate, I guess, is that things tend to be really siloed, not just in companies, but in, in mm. academia too, right? People go very mm. deep in very specific areas. And uh, yeah. I think that this has brought a lot more things to light that like, wait, we're looking at a lot of very multidisciplinary problems that we always looked at as, you know, well, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a geologist who looks at this element of things, or mm. I'm a public health professional who looks at these elements of things. And that's not how, you know, these things, these things relate. The fracking that you're studying is also a public health issue. The, you know, so it all comes, it all comes around in these, these interesting ways that I, I find fascinating and huge and daunting and scary. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Right. Yeah. But that, that's kind of where I am right now, trying to, trying to push this forward. So where do you see yourself falling into next? <laughs> uh, but that's the thing you never know <laughs> yeah fair 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 i mean i'd obviously like to be something in sustainability but that's you know that all depends on how this all plays out but um you know that's the sort of thing i th i feel like at the heart of what we're looking at right now in the world we're looking at not just scientific problems, but communication problems. We're not talking about things or we're screaming about things instead of talking about things. And really being able to access good communication practice, good communication approaches can advance companies and individuals and governments and agendas, you know, in a, in a positive way, as opposed to a, you know, big brother kind of totalitarian sort of way. <laughs> well, we're always looking for good communication practices, right? I right. mean, we all know, you know, that no company speaks or speaks well, and they all have their own silos. So, yes. yeah, I mean, you know, it's not just sustainability. Good communication is good communication. Exactly. But you're right. But, you know, I think we have a good picture of who you are professionally and, and what you're, you know, what you're passionate about. And it certainly it's a lot of things. And it's interesting. <laughs> You know, no, I'm you know, You're I mean, all I, over the place. <laughs> no, I mean, but, you know, it seems like you have that focus and your entire career has kind of been on sustainability and different things. But, um, you know, I, w 
it seems like you've got a lot on your plate, but I'm curious, and I ask this to every guest, is, you know, what do you do when you're not thinking about tech com or content strategy or sustainability or working? I think you're a knitter. Are you part of the tech com uh, knitting I, cabal? I crochet, actually. I, I struggle okay. with knitting, but I crochet. Um, so that is one of my things, but I've actually been really having trouble with that lately. Like, that's not where my brain is right now. Um, Fair. Okay. I feel like that requires a certain level of mental downtime that I'm not uh, really good at right uh, now. Just with okay. everything. Um, mm. Right now, it feels like I spend my days reading a lot. Um, mm. And it doesn't really matter what, just as, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll take the free books on Kindle or <laughs> whatever I can get. <laughs> um, but just something to take me to a different world for a little while. Mm. And, um, I'm spending a lot of time cooking, but I think that's mostly just, you know, I think everybody's spending a lot of time cooking right now because what else is there? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've always been good cooks and, you know, we, we have a local farm share and everything. So we've been cooking really, really great. That's one of the best things about being home and like we can meal plan and we right. can execute stuff and it's all of us are home at the same time. So it's not like, oh, my wife is going to be home at 830 and I'm here at seven. So yep. let's figure out you know so yeah i mean but i did read something today like a story about supermarkets here in new jersey and like you know apparently the trend is a lot of people are cooking and being more creative and trying different stuff so it's you know again another positive thing about all this um so i'm glad you're eating well yeah but, uh, i'm eating well i'm i'm sort of tired <laughs> no no god yeah um, you yeah. know i i had a day last week where i was like did i just feed you yesterday like can we just stop <laughs> It's it's been hard a lot of days. It's like, wait, didn't we just eat? Don't we have to make food again? Yeah. So so we've been ordering. You know, thankfully as things have loosened up, we've been ordering out a bit more, and we're probably going to get sushi delivered tonight at this point. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's you know, like I actually went to a restaurant down the street for the first time, and actually had a had a meal outside at, at a restaurant for the first time in some time. So yeah, I'm not ready yeah. for outdoor dining yet, but um, I've I, been doing you know, takeout. Yeah, I this is the first. Well, we we were we were on holiday. Holiday in uh, in New York State, right. and we at a went to a a a, a pub a, a bar. I sorry, a, a brewery. Yeah. And without had food, we ate there outside, and then we went to a cidery, and that was distance. And it seems like people are doing actually a pretty decent job, but it's still like. I'm not going to make a habit of it yet, and I'm definitely not indoor dining anytime soon. Right. But, right. You know. So on a positive note, Elisa. <laughs> um, Thank you for your time. This has been great. I'm sorry it took us so long to to actually meet and talk, but I'm glad that we have. And I'm sure this won't be the last of our conversations. But why don't you tell other people where we can find you online? I know you're on Twitter. I know you have a website. Yes. So I'm on Twitter as ClearWriter. And uh, my website is clarifyingcomplexideas.com. Right. And also Facebook Live Mondays at 7 o'clock Eastern. Facebook Live on Mondays at 7 through the content. I am going to tune in on Monday. Content coach vising. <laughs> I am going to. Um, I'm on Facebook probably more than I need to be. I'm trying to reduce that lately, but I'm going to make a point of trying to log in on Monday. I actually got rid of my Facebook account and I, I only have a, oh, I, I have a burner now that I just use for this. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, it's just like your family's there. Everybody's there. It's like you can't. I as was, much as you I want was to, fine you can't with get getting rid of, rid of the family, actually. I was I was OK. That was <laughs> that, was not, <laughs> that was not a problem for me, honestly. Oh, um, fair enough. But yeah, so I, I set up a burner so that I have something because, you know, sometimes clients need you to go on there and you need to have the account mm. to get in to look at things, to see things in depth. And so now right. I've got this burner account that uh, that I use for those purposes. That's so interesting. That's cool. That's, uh, I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. Well, again, thank you, Lisa. It's, uh, you know, be well during this time. And 
uh, you know, hopefully the fires and everything will be better. I know it sounds like you have a rough, um, you know, a rough fire season ahead of you, which yes. is kind of frightening that this is just the beginning of it. This is just but, the beginning. But, you know, thank you again. And it's been great talking to you and getting to know you. Uh, I hope other people have gotten to know you a little bit better too here. So everyone go out there and create better content.